Thank you for joining today. My name is Alka Gandhi and I am the retail lead at Berwick Partners. Post-pandemic, many leaders continue to wrestle with a number of constantly changing economic challenges and how to deliver transformation, innovation and leadership against this backdrop. So I was delighted to have the opportunity to discuss a number of these issues with Darcy Wilson Reimer, CEO of the Card Factory since March 2021. Darcy is no stranger to this. He has led the Card Factory through omnichannel transformation, international expansion and cultural change. Previously a CEO of Costcutter for eight years, he drove significant change, including the delivery of a new operating model. Okay, Darcy, so I guess let's start by what motivated you to take on the role of CEO at the Card Factory back in March 2021, particularly at a time when retail was facing some of its greatest challenges, such as store closures, COVID, social distancing, you know, a lot of factors that we haven't come across before. I think so. Um, the company that I was leading prior to Card Factory, we sold that business so that meant the timing was right for me to kind of make a move and of course as you go out to seek your new home and to find the right place I think for me the most important thing is I rarely joined an organization for what it was I always joined an organization for what it could be and basically for for, for the potential and Card Factory is a much loved brand by by its kind of core users and um and there's a lot of potential kind of within that because what we do at card factory is we help people celebrate and uh, we help people express love um so so when somebody you know when a son buys their mom a birthday card it's really to express you know love for the mother and when the mother receives that birthday card um, the kind of joy that that brings to find out what, you know, their child, you know, is expressing, you know, kind of that love. And I just think there's just an opportunity um, to help help the nation celebrate. And, you know, and, and, and so, yeah, so I joined largely for, for what Card Factory could become, despite the fact, albeit it was, it's a, it was already a highly successful business. Obviously, the business in the last two and a half years has moved from stores to developing its e-commerce proposition, click and collect, partnerships with other retailers, international markets. So did you, you know, did you have a vision prior to, to sort of day one starting or could you see that opportunity? I guess, you know, joining yeah, a look, Yes, I think, Lucas, when you go through the recruitment process, the recruitment process... Um, I think you start off, um, so for me personally anyways, intellectually you engage with what the opportunity is. And that is a combination of through your own research, or so the re research I did, but also what you learn from the company as you're going through the process. And, as, as, and because these processes often take several months, uh, once you've intellectually engaged, you then have to emotionally engage with it. And that's really taking the, the agenda that you've figured out or, or that is, is then, is that something that you want to do? Is that something that excites you? Is that, are the values, which is really the thing that drives um, the behaviours, is that 
does that all feel about right? Or even if it's not right, has it got the potential, you know, to, has it, you know, got the potential to be right? And so it's, it, it's kind of through that process. Of course, what happens you then is, and so you build up a picture prior to joining that this is what I'm going to inherit. And this is what some of the challenges are. Um, and then typically what I always do is, is spend the first uh, few months trying to verify the picture. So to, to speak to a lot of people, to ask a lot of questions, to engage with people at all levels, not you know, um, from shop floor to boardroom and just to understand and you build up a picture. And then I think for me, I always then put a stake in the ground and make sure that we're clear on what the next short period of time is. You know, that could be three months, it could be up to 12 months. So, so, so that you have clarity and everybody is working with purpose to give you the time to then look over the horizon and make sure that you've got the right, you know, kind of longer term strategy. Now, because I joined, I was interviewed at the end of the first lockdown. So as I was going through the interview process, I assumed I was joining a trading business that was um, you know, substantially through the recovery of COVID. Of course, then the, the, the tiered system followed by the, the next national lockdown. So what I actually landed up joining was a company that was shut apart from its web business, but, but, but the lion's share. And of course, that really then dictates the short-term priorities. You know, have you got enough cash? Have you got people working on the right things? Uh, when furlough ends, how are you going to, um, you know, restart the business? Um, and and but but it was still the same process of what what it, what do we need to do? What does everybody need to do? And that was genuinely um, make sure that we had sufficient cash in the business, right size the balance sheet. Um, and get a thousand stores, you know, kind of open and trading with the right stock at the right, you know, you know, the right place. And then how did how did we then maximize the opportunity, but also mitigate some of the issues that came as a, you know, basically as a result of that. And when you have confidence that the team is working on that, we then took the opportunity to have a look at the strategy of record, really open the bonnets and get into the plumbing to decide you know, what, what was right. We did that just by asking the right questions in the business. So what, what have we learned? What's changed? What did we never believe? What new information have we got? And, and we then amended the strategy and got ourselves into a cadence now where we review it, you know, on, a, on, a, on basically on a regular basis. How would you say you've developed or changed as a leader over the past two and a half years? Look, I, I think... The thing that the, the whole coronavirus thing and the subsequent things that have happened in the business or happened in, in any, any business, it's, it's really, uh, it's quite an interesting thing because every company in the UK, probably around the world, went through an event that was dictated um, by the pandemic. And every business had to respond and had to change as, as a result of it. Now, much of uh, much of the things we all had to do the same thing. How do you get a workforce working from home? Um, if you're a non-essential retailer, how are you going to kind of cope with that? Um, 
Uh, and if you were essential retailer, it was also how are you going to cope with that in a completely different set of circumstances? And of course, I came from uh, I came from a supermarket group, so I, I have been through both an essential retailer and what it took to kind of keep that business um, going through the pandemic, but also one that that, that was shut. And, and so, and every business, but it, for everybody, it felt unique. So we were almost solving the same problem, but there was a camaraderie of spirits across retailers, across families, across communities um, that, that, you know, kind of, you know, people had to solve. Um, and, it, and it was, and I think the lessons were around, you know, I, said, I said, said to the team on many, many occasions, we will not be judged by what we didn't know will be judged by the speed and the quality of our response to those to those situations. Um, because in the beginning, there was a lot of time spent people trying to figure out what's going to happen. How long is this going to be? What are we going to, to do? And, and for me, we kind of changed the mindset to be around of is what's the quality of our response to things that we were never able to forecast yeah and the rest of it i think was just relying and and is building on the core leadership principles of you know of good communication engagement listening um you know not having to have all the answers yeah no, absolutely and i mean and and clearly moving on from that period you you know the business um is well into its transition from store-led to omni-channel retailer so what, in your opinion, from an advice perspective, are the key factors that you think a leader should consider when commencing such a substantial transformation agenda as the one you, you are midway? Well, the thing, the thing for me is that uh, when I arrived at Card Factory, what was clear to me is that the things that had made the business successful for the first 25 years not all of those things were going to make this business successful for the next 25 years. Um, and so in a, if I use the easiest example, when the business was founded, it was founded, you know, on one store. And when you have a thousand stores in the UK, right, you can't build another thousand stores. So there, you know, so the things that made it successful aren't necessarily the things. So then it's about what is in a core DNA that we must preserve at all costs, whether that's in the business model, in the culture, whatever it is, and, and figure out how do you preserve that and then put everything else onto the sacrificial altar and how do you then make the change to the things that will make you successful for the next 25 years and how do you make sure that you can unite a, a workforce so colleagues that have been here for a long time, but new skills that you may need to bring in. And how do you unite everybody around a new future? Because otherwise, that's where you get a split where um, if some people are united around the past, that's where you have, that's where challenges, cultural challenges begin in, in an organization. Um, so, and it's then about on those things that need to change is how do you then have a strategy that um, clearly you need a from and to, right? And that's the strategy. That's what your strategy is. It's a from and to. 
And the strategy needs to include not just the what, but it also needs to include the how. If you have a strategy with just the what, and you don't have the how, um, then um, I, I my my view is it just take it's much takes longer and, and it's harder. Um, and then how do you get people united around that? And that takes me nicely onto what probably what would have been my next question was, you know, how do you create that culture then that that supports the transformation and innovation? As you said, you, you inherited long-serving colleagues and then there was an element of the skills and the experiences you needed for that change in the next chapter the first thing though is I, I have to pay tribute to those that went before me right because those that went before me built a very strong very profitable business with actually a really good culture and so what i inherited was a company with low resistance to change and i inherited a company where there was a, um, an absolute willingness and a can-do attitude to get, to get stuff done. In addition to that, we have a, at Craft Factory, we've had a leg up. And it's the point I made earlier around what we do. But we're one of the only retailers where when a customer walks through our door, largely they're not buying for themselves. They're almost exclusively buying something for somebody else and what they buy denotes that relationship and because the the experience of um giving cards buying gifts buying celebration things for celebration it is a largely positive experience our colleagues in our stores and our colleagues that work in the online business they are helping customers to celebrate and to express love as i've I've already said it, and that is a hugely positive thing. But of course, that is not enough. It's it's also you need to have the direction of travel, you need to have the ways of working, you need to have the culture. And one of the things that I spent a lot of time on were two things actually. One is making sure that everybody was working at the right level. So the board was behaving like a board, the executive team was behaving like an executive team, all the way to our store managers behaving like store managers. So having everybody working at the right level and then pushing and devolving the decision-making to the lowest common denominator, to the lowest place in the organization that we dare to do. Now, don't get me wrong, that's, it's not a free-for-all, right? It's not anybody can decide anything. But then having the frameworks that sit around that and the guidance and the support for people to enable them to be empowered to make those decisions. And, and, and by doing that, everybody knows what they need to do and they know what they need, they're accountable for and the decision-making that they can make, you know, as a result of that. And, and that has been, you know, kind of hugely transformational because um, it just means that not everything falls on my shoulders or on a, an executive team shoulders but actually you know we're making the right decisions at the right level throughout the organization and, and then it's about and then it's the feedback loop it's it's having the the organization the ability to listen to what's going on the ability for people to express themselves we spent again a long time making sure we, we have an environment where people get to show up as themselves it's always you know Know who your 
know who you're recruiting. Recruit, of course, you have to recruit for skills, but you have to recruit for values and behavior, right? And what, so, so understand who you're letting into the family. But once you're in the family, then the best thing we can do is help people to show up as themselves, their true authentic self, because that's when you'll get the best work, is, is when people you know, can basically show up themselves and be you know, kind of a, authentic. And then embracing that, and to me, that's the bit, that's what diversity brings. It's embracing that each person has a different set of experiences, a different set of skills, a different set of upbringing that kind of leads to that difference in thinking and, and, and you know, kind of let's, let's kind of embrace that and make sure that everybody has a voice and everybody believes that their voice counts. Yeah, that doesn't mean that we can, we're all going to agree on everything, right? That doesn't mean that every suggestion is, you know, going to get listened to or, or implemented. But what we should do is we have to listen to everything and make conscious decisions about what we are or not going to do and then be able to explain to people why, we, why did I take your advice and why am I implementing your suggestion or why am I not? Um, and, and, and that way, once people feel heard, um, th then they're kind of willing to continue to make suggestions, contribute to challenge, um, and to, to, to be engaged. Yeah, absolutely. And then that sort of brings me back to that, the culture you're describing, behaviours, values, starts at the top. Having worked in a number of different organisations, ranging from Starbucks, Siam, Cutter. What qualities do you look for in your leadership team? I, I think I describe my leadership in a particular way. So first of all, as a leader, I believe um, I'm an enabler. My job is to enable the organization to be at its best. And the way you do that is to enable people to be at their, at their best. And I think for what I ask, um, I ask anybody that wants to work on the team is first of all to understand that if you sit on the executive team then we are collectively responsible for running the enterprise right the exco is responsible for running the enterprise not the ceo right we all jointly run the enterprise and we do that by each person kind of having expertise and holding down a station and then my job is to make the whole greater than the sum of the parts I would ask people to do is to first of all subscribe to what I call the hierarchy, and it's, it's and that is the company company first, function second, and self third. And that way we get enterprise thinking and people thinking about the enterprise as opposed to what's best for their function or their or themselves. And if you if you know what if you co-author so we co-author the strategy, right? So if we've co-authored the strategy. You know the direction of travel. You know what the priorities are. Um, and therefore, you're making the decisions about what you should be doing and what you shouldn't be doing. And, and there could be something to a function that's really, really important. But if you look at the other priorities in business, you know that yours ranks beneath that. So don't make me tell you. You you know um, and make the right, basically right this decision. So that's the part about the enterprise. Then I require all leaders to have very high self-awareness. If you don't have it, we'll help you get it. 
right? You need to know what you're good at, what you're not good at, what your preferences are, what you love doing and what do you not like doing? Because that way we can allocate the work based on skills and motivation, right? Um, but then be public with that. And by us having those public conversations about our strengths and our weaknesses and our preferences, it also enables us to know how we, how we get the best from each other. How do we work together? But also it, it demonstrates humility to the rest of the organization. It allows everybody else to, to, to be vulnerable and, and, and contributes to everybody you know, being themselves. And, and yeah, and so that's um, so. So that that's uh, yeah, that's how I would uh, describe it. So, what advice then would you give someone aspiring to their first role on a board? Yeah, so two things. So first of all, I think that piece around um, having high self awareness is absolutely critical. I do not believe that you could be a brilliant leader with no self awareness or low self awareness, right? And, and that, to me, starts with telling yourself the truth. Uh, so, and I think, I think that's, that's really, really important. And, uh, you know, the other thing as it relates to self-awareness, if you choose to ignore your fiercest critic, then you must ignore uh, the person that's giving you the most praise. But you can't, you, you, you've got to listen to all the feedback is the point. The second piece of advice I would give, and, and I think this is the one that people rarely talk about, when you get promoted to an executive position for the first time, most people believe they're now there to lead the function or whatever part of the enterprise they've got, without understanding this point that the executive team is responsible for running the enterprise. So all of a sudden, you actually have two levels of responsibility that you've never had before. One is this point of leading your function, but you are now partly responsible for leading the enterprise. And so I think understanding that, and what I say to new, when I take on a first time, either a promotion or, or we hire somebody that is their first time executive position, I always have this conversation about understanding the two parts of the business. And then I always say to them, focus on the first one, which is leading your function and master that. You know, survey your land, get your plan in place, understand your from and to, make sure you've got the capacity and the capability on your team to deliver that. And we'll cover you on the enterprise piece. When we need your voice and, and you're not there or you, you don't realize how important your voice is, I'll tell you, you know, I'll help you do that. So we'll either cover for you or we'll bring you in at the right time, but master that. But quite quickly, once you begin mastering that, then you, you do need to quite quickly step up um, and be that equal person, you know, basically round round the table. Again, you know, you spend your time developing your leadership team and the wider organisation. How do you ensure that as a leader, you continue your development and, and continue to learn yourself? There's a few things. So first of all, um, the, the most important thing, if you want to continue to develop as a leader, is to give yourself the time to do so. Because that, that's, that's the thing that, um, that people don't find the time to do. And so 
I will only do those things that only the CEO can do. I don't do any other work. I don't do non-CEO work. Because by definition, I'm doing somebody else's job for them if I'm doing something that isn't kind of CEO work. And it kind of sounds a bit kind of glib, really, but I think it's really important. And, and so therefore, I always have my head, somebody has to have their head over the horizon, right? That doesn't mean to say when there are challenges in the business that I don't dive and get into detail, roll my sleeves up. I absolutely do. But that is what CEO work is when there's a problem, is, is you, you, you help and make sure that problems you know, can, can be solved. So allocating time to be able to do that. Um, and then being clear on, is we don't know what we don't know, but we have to be curious. So, so an example of self-development is earlier this year, as the whole AI thing was exploding, I didn't know what I didn't know. And I, I, was, I didn't have the confidence that I was asking the right questions in the organization. So I didn't set about to um, become an AI expert. What I did set about to do was to understand enough about what was going on in the world in artificial intelligence to know what the right questions to ask were so, so that the organization could you know, kind of answer those questions. So I, I did a couple of things. Well, I read some stuff. I'm highly dyslexic, so reading is, is, a, is, is a chore for me. Um, I tapped into some internal knowledge within the company, but then I tapped into to some external knowledge. And, and I went to one of, our, one of our business partners who have expertise in this field, and I asked them to set up a workshop for me. I said, I want it to be one-to-one. Uh, I don't want any distraction from anybody else. This is, a, uh, this is I need to learn, so I need to understand some things. And I, and I want to be able to do this. And, and we did this um, really detailed workshop on the history, uh, where things were, were coming from, uh, the, the morality of it, the legality of it, so that I could understand the landscape. And, and through that, plus uh, all the other listening and all the other learning I was doing, it gave me the confidence to understand where I should focus you know, our efforts, you know, for artificial intelligence, uh, you know, kind of a car factory. So that'd just be one example, but it's that, it's that inbuilt curiosity, the inbuilt thing to ask more questions than give answers, um, and then being able to admit to yourself that I don't know enough about this in order for me to be effective in what I'm doing. So, so I need to, I need to do something. I need to do something about that. In this example, I decided I needed some knowledge. But there are other examples I have where I don't need the knowledge. I just need to enable the business to get. You know, so does that, does that answer the question? It does. It does. Thank you. And I guess finally for me is what do you see as the key challenges facing retail leaders in the coming five years? I think the thing, so I, I, I've got into many debates with others about this and people there's, a, there's so many people that do not share my perspective, but I, I'm going to give um, it. The world has been changing forever, right? Now, whether it's changing faster now than it was 
changing before? I don't know. I don't, I don't think it has. People are telling me it's changing exponentially faster. You know, my, my, my grandparents rode a horse and cart, and that, that, seems, that seems like pretty substantial change to me, but I, I won't get into the detail of how fast or whatever. But the world has been changing around us forever. Of course, when, in the bit of change you're in, it, it feels, you know, it, it, it kind of feels, you know, really hard. So, so this is about um, kind of embracing the change, understanding it, and working, you know, with it and finding the implications. So if you take, if you take our omni-channel strategy, for, for example, and some of the whole stuff that's happening in digital didn't exist five years ago, 10 years ago, it just didn't exist. Um, but it's about, so for me, it's about the customer. Right. So, so the customer, a card factory customer that shops online is the same customer that shops in store. They're just shopping in different ways for different occasions or for different people. Um, and it's about understanding how does the customer, what is the thing that makes it um, best, easiest, simplest, removing the friction for the customer and then finding ways to be able to serve, you know, serve that. that that's why omnichannel is important. It's because it's helping the, it's making life easier for, you know, for, for, for the customer. And I think that's what we must never lose sight of is, is we must never lose sight of the customer and we must never lose sight of our people. And then, of course, the role of innovation because, um, you know, clearly we don't always know, as consumers, we don't always know, you know we can't predict everything that, that we might want or need. Um, so, I, I, you know, so I would say it's, we need to continue to focus on making sure that it's, as seamless for the customer as possible. We need to focus on innovation, but also make sure that we, we are focusing on a people that basically, you know, to deliver all of that. Retail has been here forever and retail will be here forever. Um, the high street will be around forever. Um, but, but, you know, new channels, new, new, new channels are, are developing. So how do we evolve our businesses, you know, going, going forward? And the businesses that fail typically are the business that either failed to, to keep pace with the challenges or they've made some poor decisions, you know, basically along the way, you couldn't course correct fast enough. That's great, Darcy. Thank you so much. Sadly, we have to bring this discussion to a close, but I want to just say thank you again to Darcy for sharing your experiences and insights with us today. Thank you.